Hello and welcome. You are listening to Embodied Curiosity. In this show, we will explore self-compassion and holistic health through the lens of embodiment, intuition, nature connection, and neuroscience. I'm your host, Michaela, and I'm so excited for you to join me. Hey, welcome back. I have been rereading one of my favorite books, Women Who Run With the Wolves by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. This book has been so impactful in my life, and I wanted to share my thoughts and insights as I read through each chapter. This is set up sort of like a virtual book group, so feel free to get a copy of the book and follow along with me. I also uploaded video versions of these episodes on my YouTube channel. You can find my channel by just searching my name, Michaela Rands, or you can click the link in the description. I hope you gain some insights as I share my process with the stories in this powerful little book. Hello, welcome back. It's me again, Michaela, and I'm here with another chapter summary from the book Women Who Run With The Wolves. Today, we're going to be talking about chapter 13. The name of the chapter is Battle Scars, Membership in the Scar Clan. And this chapter starts out with a really beautiful quote, so I'm going to share that. Tears are a river that take you somewhere. Weeping creates a river around the boat that carries your soul life. Tears lift your boat off the rocks, off dry ground, carrying it downriver to someplace new, someplace better. There are oceans of tears women have never cried, for they have been trained to carry mother's and father's secrets, men's secrets, society's secrets, and their own secrets, to the grave. A woman's crying has been considered quite dangerous, for it loosens the locks and bolts on the secrets she bears. But in truth, for the sake of a woman's wild soul, it is better to cry. So as you can tell from that quote, this chapter is all about secrets. And I remember the first time I read it, I honestly kind of wanted to avoid it for reasons I'll explain later. If you're someone who might have a secret or some secrets that you're keeping, this chapter summary and this chapter in general might bring up a lot of feelings for you. I know it did for me. So just pay attention to what your body is saying and make sure to take care of yourself. So the warning here with secrets is that the problem of secret stories surrounded by shame is that they cut a woman off from her instinctive nature. Now, I just want to make a note that she does say there is a difference between kind of harmless secrets and secrets that carry shame. And I know for me, I have some of both. But the main focus of this chapter is around the secrets that carry shame. Secrets, like fairy tales and dreams, also follow the same energy patterns and structures as those found in drama. But secrets, instead of following the heroic structure, follow the tragic structure. She explains a bit about the heroic journey or the hero's journey, which I'm sure you've probably seen in many stories and movies, where the hero is on some kind of quest but falls into some sort of conflict. Then, through her wit and because she has people who care for her, she is freed and stands taller as a result. So it seems that in this story of the heroic journey, it is vital to have people to support you. However, in a tragedy, the heroine is snatched, forced, or drives straight into hell and is subsequently overwhelmed. No one hears her cries or else her pleas are ignored. She loses hope, 
loses touch with the preciousness of her life and collapses. So as you can see, that is a really depressing way to go. And it seems the main difference between the heroic story and the tragic story is just that need for support from others and a need for feeling of belonging and being seen by others that care about you. And she shares the remedy. The way to change a tragic drama back into a heroic one is to open the secret, speak of it to someone, write another ending, examine one's part in it and one's attributes in enduring it. These learnings are equal parts pain and wisdom. The having lived through it is a triumph of the deep and wild spirit. So the moral of this story is that wound of the secret won't heal until it is given words and witness. And throughout this chapter, she really stresses this point that if you haven't yet, no matter how old the secret is and how small the matter might seem to you, if it feels like you're holding a burning secret, all you need to do is share it with someone you trust and the healing will begin. Now, depending on how old and shame-filled the secret is, it could live in what she calls a dead zone in the psyche. The dead zone is greatly protected. It is a place of endless doors and walls, each locked with 20 locks. The little creatures in women's dreams are always busy building more doors, more dams, more security, lest the secret escape. So this process of putting the secret in the dead zone makes it really hard to even access that secret. Sometimes that memory is just erased. Now, I want to make a note that she's a little vague about secrets, but she does point out that there's a lot of different kinds of secrets. There can be secrets of your family that your family doesn't want anyone to know. There could be something that happened to you that wasn't your fault at all, but you were forced to keep a secret or threatened for telling the secret. It could also be something that you did yourself that you feel very ashamed of that the culture you're a part of looks down upon. Secrets are often very closely related to things that are from the shadow realm and things that carry shame a lot, like lying and cheating and stealing, some kind of betrayal perhaps. By now you might have some secrets coming to mind that are hearing the call to be witnessed. Pay attention to that and we'll discuss that in a little bit. In this chapter, she shares a story. The story is called The Woman with Hair of Gold. And it basically goes, there once was a strange but beautiful woman who lived alone in the forest and weaved day and night. She had beautiful golden hair and one of the men from the town really wanted to marry her, but she kept refusing. To appease him, she gave him some of her golden hair, but he soon found out that that hair was really worth nothing. So he went back in the night and he murdered the woman. He buried her near a river. And over the years, above her grave grew beautiful golden reeds. This was her golden hair growing through the soil and up through the sky. The shepherds in the field would cut these reeds and make tiny flutes out of them. And whenever they played the flutes, the flutes would sing, Here lies the woman with golden hair, murdered and in her grave, killed by the son of the coal burner, because she wished to live. These tiny flutes sang and sang until the man was discovered and justice was served. This short and sweet story has a lot of important symbolism for this chapter. First of all, the woman is quite strange in a way, living alone in the forest. I laughed when I read this because it seems to be very popular right now to dream of being a woman who lives alone in the forest. I definitely dream of that a lot. But this woman in this story represents a concept or a character called a core with a K. The core is the woman who will not marry. This aspect of the female psyche represents that which wishes to keep to herself alone. This is mystical and solitary in a good way, for the core is taken up with the sorting and weaving of ideas, thoughts, and endeavors. <laughs> I read that and I was like, that's me. I'm a core. 
<laughs> but in reality, it's just an aspect of me and it's a, an aspect of all women's psyches. The part of the story where the dead woman's hair grows up through the soil and turns into these reeds relates back to the idea of a secret. The secret in this case is the murdering of the woman. But the woman's spirit, the woman's life force, lives on and makes sure it is seen by growing through the soil. And finally, singing a little song through a tiny flute. And this might be the familiar feeling you would feel if you had a secret that really did want to be seen and heard. I found that holding on to a secret, even just a tiny one, it feels like no matter how deep you bury it, it's still in there. Repressing secret material surrounded by shame, fear, anger, guilt, or humiliation effectively shuts down all other parts of the unconscious that are near the site of the secret. This part really resonated with me. She tells a few stories of women who have kept secrets and how it has impacted their life in a bigger way than you would expect. Shutting down women's creativity and passion and curiosity and just life force energy because this energy is being used to keep this secret safe. So as you can see, if you are able to free this secret or heal this shame, it can release massive amounts of energy towards your creativity and passion in life. That has been taken up by this matter. So what is the solution? She shares again, the real solution is to share it with someone. Now I can see that writing it out and sharing it even with yourself can be a powerful practice, but another great option if you feel like everyone in your life feels too unsafe to share it is to find a therapist to share it with or some other objective party who you trust very much. That would be kind of step one if you're feeling really scared to share your secret. Next is you can share it more broadly with a larger audience. You could share it on social media or to a large group of people. There are probably even certain people that you know you want to share it with, but you're too afraid to do it. And that is totally okay and acceptable. And I would wait until you feel safe to do that. But she doesn't really give any other options. She does say if it's too hard to actually use your voice and say, it out loud that you can write it down and give it to someone that you want to share it with. Now, in my experience, I have found this practice to be super powerful and I have many different levels of secrets that came up while I was reading this chapter. I'll share more about that at the end of this video. The last part of the chapter talks about a thing called a scapegoat. A scapegoat is a real coat that details in painting, writing, and with all manner of things pinned and stitched to it. All the name calling a woman has endured in her life, all the insults, all the slurs, all the traumas, all the wounds, all the scars. And the idea with a scapegoat is to wear it proudly around other people. Now, you don't have to actually make a physical coat, but the underlying concept still remains. She ends this chapter by really encouraging all women to be proud of what they've been through to be bold and authentic and truthful with the world and to know that you are safe and loved and that everyone has been through something and everybody has a secret to tell and that if you find your people, you will still be loved. And that is why the title of this chapter is Membership in the Scar Clan. The Scar Clan is the clan of women that have scars and share them bravely. In a way, you can see the secret that you're holding as a wound that is not yet healed and that once you heal it by sharing it bravely and being witnessed and accepted, the wound will become a scar and you will be part of Scar Clan. 
I think this chapter is still doing its work on me in my subconscious, but so far it's been really profound. I wanted to share the journal prompt that I came up with. I only have one this time, and just because the topic is secrets, I definitely encourage you to do what feels best for you in terms of sharing. The prompt is, do you have a secret or many secrets that you wish to share publicly? Let this be a safe place to hold and witness your secrets so you can release it. If not, you can find someone you really trust to share it with. So in an ideal world, if we were doing this as a book group or a women's circle of some sort, this would be an opportunity for us if we felt so called to hold a safe space for women's secrets to be shared. Now, since I'm doing this over the internet and I'm not actually talking to any one person, feel free to use the comments to share whatever secret is burning to be shared right now. Of course, only if it feels safe and if it resonates with you to do it right now. Otherwise, go ahead and consider who in your life do you trust the most? Do you feel like you could tell this secret to? Or finding yourself a therapist to tell this secret to? Obviously, if you don't feel like you have any secrets or nothing's coming up, then this video probably isn't very helpful for you. But remember, any little secret, any tiny little story or memory that came through as you were listening to this could be worth sharing. So for me, when I was reading this, I actually had several little secrets that kind of came up and wanted to be witnessed. And I think they all kind of revolved around the theme of, I guess, being sneaky. So I'm just going to use this opportunity to share some of those so that I can find more healing in them. So the first one that came up, if I were to go chronologically, was when I was three years old, I have this super strong memory of pooping in my pants. And I think at that point I definitely was potty trained, but it was like a lapse in memory and I somehow forgot to go to the bathroom and I must have been busy doing something, but I remember pooping in my pants. And somebody, some adult in my life, I don't remember who, asked me if I pooped in my pants and I said no. So this memory stuck with me all these years because it was my first memory of lying. And not only did the pooping in my pants give me a ton of shame, I remember thinking, I can't believe you're three years old and you pooped in your pants in my mind as a three-year-old, but I also felt a ton of shame about lying. I don't remember whatever came of that story or what happened right after that, but that little memory of me lying and pooping in my pants really stuck with me and whenever I hear about secrets, that one comes up. Another one from my childhood that's pretty funny that I think I've shared with a few people now, but it's fun to share just because I kept it secret so long, is in elementary school, I used to take my clothes off to take a bath. And when I did that, I would usually just take my pants and my underwear off at the same time. So as you can imagine, sometimes my underwear would still be in my pants and especially if I didn't wash them. So one day I was out on the field at recess and I saw a pair of underwear coming out from the leg of my pants. And I was super embarrassed. I looked around to make sure no one saw it and I don't think anyone saw it. But for the next month, all the kids on the playground were making fun of this underwear and kicking it around and everyone was trying to figure out whose it was. And every time the topic would come up, I'm sure I would turn beet red, but I never told anyone until probably many years later. So again, this secret has to do with shame and shame from lying and sort of being sneaky. Fast forward to being a teenager and a similar thing came up. I remember being just an angsty teenager and being sort of 
upset at my mom for not buying me the clothes that I wanted, but I could see that she was buying clothes that she wanted. And I remember being kind of angry and jealous and resentful towards her. And so there was a few times where when she would leave, I would quietly sneak up to her room and I would just take some of her clothes, like a random tank top. I remember I wouldn't even wear them and I didn't even want the clothes, but there was just something in me that wanted to make things fair, I guess, or to get even with her. And even sharing this now, I'm like feeling a little bit embarrassed that this was part of who I was when I was young. I feel like now that I'm an adult, I have grown to have better communication skills and I can address resentments directly instead of having to be sneaky. But this is still creeped up even today. Even in the last week, I found myself wanting to take a little bit of my boyfriend's food, some special item that he had, and instead of just asking him for some, I found myself wanting to just sneak a little bit of it. And in my mind, I can feel myself thinking, oh, I'm sure he sneaks my food too, or remember all those times that I fed him? (laughs) And anyway, this is just a funny story to illustrate that there's this part of me that I've been suppressing and feeling a lot of shame around that is sort of mischievous and sneaky and is able to create illusions, I guess. And this is definitely a part of me that I'm really embarrassed of and have suppressed really deep in my psyche. Even thinking of those memories took a real deep dive. I tend to just ignore those parts of my personality. And so reading this chapter was really healing for me to kind of face and own more of my shadow aspects. Right after reading this, I listed out all the memories I could think of. And there's more than I even just shared, but I think you get the idea. And I ended up telling a few friends about all my secrets just for the mere fact of being witnessed. And now I'm sharing them with you. So thank you for being my witness and being part of this healing process for me. But really, I'm just doing this as an example so you can see that we all have these little shameful, secretive parts of ourselves that are acting in the way they know best. I know for me, this is a much younger version of me that still lives inside of me. But I already feel a huge weight lifted after sharing with some people in my life. And that mischievous, sneaky energy is also related to my life force energy and my creative energy and a deep, intelligent part of myself. So I think of the phrase, throw the baby out with the bathwater. It feels like I can't just throw away the part of me that wants to be sneaky or the part of me that holds resentments or the part of me that lies. I just need to address that part of me with love and compassion and invite it to be more integrated with my whole self. That way I can still use that energy to improve my life and to be a better person. This chapter was really impactful for me this time around. So I'm really grateful that you're here listening and I hope you get a copy of this book and check out this chapter for yourself, especially if you're someone that really resonates with everything I've shared. I have only a few chapters left, but the next chapter I know is a really big one. So stay tuned for that and thanks for watching. Thank you for listening to Embodied Curiosity. I hope you picked up some valuable insights to inspire you to stay curious and embodied.